writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. Father, I pray that you would give us an understanding of the purpose, one of the purposes of this letter, and that we would join with John and pursue complete joy. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. By his own admission, Mike Mason was not a happy person. As a young man, he found himself attending Alcoholics Anonymous to break his addiction to drunkenness. Sometime after that, he became a Christian, but after 10 years of walking in the faith, he fell into a deep depression which just about derailed his entire life. Now he's older and wiser. I bring him to your attention because of some of the interesting experiments he has done in his life. He does experiments on himself to learn how he can change. Once he committed himself to one week of not worrying. Another time he says he committed himself to 90 days of faith, which he said didn't work out too well for him, and he had to abandon the project. Now, in case you're wondering, I'm not referencing this to recommend that you try this. I want to get your attention through a book he wrote, which I have read, called Champagne for the Soul, Rediscovering God's Gift of Joy. What Mike Mason did was he committed himself to practicing joy for 90 straight days. And the way he did this was each day, over 90 days, he meditated on a particular passage of scripture that was related to joy and sought to apply it and live in the good of it. And he writes about this in this short book, which has 90 chapters, each one two pages long. Mike Mason pursued joy. So I want to raise some questions today, and I want to get you thinking about them in this brief sermon. How important is joy to God? How important is it to God that we seek joy? What is joy anyway? And is joy something we should pursue? Now, as I was pondering this text, and the reason I separated this verse, this one verse four, out for a sermon, is because it struck me at, as very, very odd. It seems out of place in the other biblical books for giving a purpose for writing, because John says he's writing to the church so that our joy may be complete. I mean, sure, uh, one purpose for writing might be joy, but to put this right up front in the introduction, if you use two terms similar to the words joy and complete in verse 4, it, would read this, it could read this way. I'm writing so that my happiness can be total. 
As I noted last week, John is writing to a hurting church. A group had split off from the church. This group denied that sin existed, or at least that they sinned. They said that Jesus did not come in the flesh, that he was some kind of a spirit being. You lose those two beliefs, and you lose the gospel. You lose your faith. The departed group still had some influence over the church they left. So this church was vulnerable. Because our earliest copies of this letter have some minor differences in wording, there is some question about whether John wrote in verse 4, our joy or your joy. And you might see that in the footnote in your Bible. I would agree with most scholars that I have read that our fits the context better. Up to this point, John has used the first person plural. What we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched. The we here is clearly the apostles who, with John, lived with Jesus for three years. John wants their joy to be full with the rest of the recipients of this letter. He wants the effect of this letter to produce joy in the apostles, a joy that they already share, but a joy that's not complete. It's only complete when he shares fellowship with the church to whom he's writing. What the apostles have proclaimed about Jesus produces, and this is a word you've heard often, and our church has wrestled with the word fellowship. Faith in the gospel produces fellowship, fellowship with God, fellowship with people who have fellowship with God. So this fellowship extended from God to the apostles, to the recipients of this letter, is what makes John's joy complete. So the premise of verse 4 is that the gospel creates fellowship which produces joy. The gospel produces, creates fellowship which produces joy. So if you want to live a life of joy, you should pursue at least these two things. Number one, fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. And number two, fellowship with God's people. You want to have complete joy? Fellowship with God, fellowship with God's people. Now, before we go on, I, I think I also need to define the word fellowship the word speaks to something people have in common, but more than just a common ownership. The idea is more of common participation, sharing in the same experience or the same task. Many of you remember the books of uh, Stephen Ambrose, some of which were made into movies, which introduced to us the fellowship of the airborne soldiers who landed in France on D-Day and then proceeded into Germany to the war's end. Their common experience of combat forged them into what they called a band of brothers. Their participation in the ardors and terrors of warfare and the infantry advances across northern Europe creates this deep sense of fellowship, of belonging, of being joined together, of sharing something that was significant. People who share a common traumatic event, an earthquake, 
cancer, divorce, often find that they have a bond because of their common experience. The same goes for people who strive together to achieve something in sports or building a business. John makes the astounding claim that through the gospel, through Jesus' death and resurrection, human beings can share in the life of the Trinity and through that experience can experience a fellowship with each other because their participation, their fellowship is in God. Nothing on earth goes deeper than that fellowship. And John claims that this Experience of fellowship produces joy. Now, I want to briefly develop three statements about fellowship and joy. So first, fellowship with God produces joy. Second, fellowship with people who have fellowship with God produces joy. And then third, I just want to spend a couple minutes considering pursuing complete joy. But before I even get to the first point, I, I just want to say a few more words about how audacious John's statement is that joy can be pursued and found in this life. Joy is this experience of total well-being. It is the utter absence of anxiety. Joy is an awareness that everything fits together in harmony. It's a happy family outing where all the children prefer each other and laugh together. This produces joy in a parent. It's a musical performance in which the band plays like it's one. It's hearing a beautifully well-written, perfectly put-together song by a band that produces joy in both the performer and the listener. We long for harmony and unity where everything fits together and no one's doing bad. John says that he's writing with an aim toward joy. And I take this to mean from scripture that the pursuit of joy is a worthy pursuit. So now we're ready. Number one, fellowship with God produces joy. The second component of verse three is fellowship with God the Father and with Jesus Christ, his son. Look at verse three with me again. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. That's first. And then second, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The phrase is introduced with the word indeed, which I take to mean that fellowship in a church is grounded in fellowship with God. So you may have this sense of harmony as a church, but you have to see that there is something undergirding it, something feeding into it, something making it possible. It's interesting that John does not refer to our fellowship with, quote, God, the general term for the Trinity or for each person of the Trinity, but he refers specifically to fellowship with the Father and with his Son. Because fellowship begins with God himself. In John's gospel, we hear Jesus making constant reference to his harmony and unity with his Father. Chapter 5, I only do what I see my Father doing, he says. 
Or he prays in chapter 17 that the people who believe in him may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us. He prays that his unity with the Father will be reflected in his disciples' harmony with the Father and the Son. The perfection of fellowship, the completion of fellowship is found in the perfection and completion and harmony of the Trinity. Do you see that? So what we long for in joy, what we long for in fellowship begins with the very nature of God. This should give you great hope that your yearnings and attempts for this are exactly right. Fellowship with God is an activity. It's not simply a status. When you repent and put your faith in Jesus, you receive the status of a justified person. You are declared righteous by God. It's a righteousness that comes to you through someone else's activity, someone else's work, the work of Jesus on the cross for you. You've only got to believe in it. You are passive in justification. But fellowship is an activity. It takes two, as they say, to tango. So what is our participation in the divine? How do we participate? What what activities do we pursue to have fellowship with God? And it's very simple and obvious. We listen to what God has said in the Bible, just as we're listening to these four verses right now. We listen to the Bible as a personal message from God to us. We hear and see the word and let it shape us, shape our imagination, shape our view of the world, shape our practices. We also respond by speaking back to God. We call this prayer. Our prayers of fellowship with God can be requests, lament, praise, confession of wrongdoing, song, even reading aloud or speaking from memory, recounting the deeds of the Lord. Fellowship with God means not just Prayer, not just hearing the word, fellowship with God is obedience. When God tells us to do something, we participate in fellowship with him by doing what he says. Fellowship with God entails walking out your life with Jesus as your model, which means a life shaped around love-driven sacrifice. You sacrifice for others because you are following your Savior. You are participating in fellowship with God. Because of justification, we can participate with God in a personal encounter through these various means. But to find the joy that comes from fellowship with God, we must participate. We must do the things that fellowship entails. So you want to know joy in God, you've got to actively engage with God. You can't just passively sit and say, why doesn't he give me joy? If you lack joy, and I often lack joy, those of you who know me well know I can be a real puddle glum. But there is a place to begin by pursuing fellowship with God. Number two, fellowship with people who have fellowship with God produces joy. 
As he opens his letter, John expresses a longing to have fellowship with the people in the church he's writing to. You'll notice that he says that the basis of their fellowship is what he and the other apostles proclaim, the gospel about Jesus. You can have this kind of fellowship that produces real joy only with other people who have fellowship with God. John makes it clear that those who left the church, and he asserts that, and and those people who left saying Jesus did not come in the flesh, people who left the church saying, we're not sinners, we don't sin. Those people do not have fellowship with God, and therefore, we cannot have fellowship with them. So, fellowship with God is, uh, fellowship with others, according to Scripture, is reserved for people who have fellowship with God, and the Bible describes for us who those people are. When two or more people participate together in fellowship with God, it can produce joy. A unified church, unified under Jesus and his gospel, shared freely with one another, is a joy to experience. We have harmony in our church right now. There is a unity. And that should bring us joy. And we should pursue it all the more. Our Sunday worship is the pinnacle of this experience. Here we sing and confess and eat and drink and pray and listen to God's word together as a temple to God, unified together in fellowship, in participation, in sharing the life of God together. I I don't know if you feel this as acutely as I do, but one of the pains of gathering in cars is that we can't see each other's faces as we engage with God in song and prayer and listening, and we cannot hear each other's voices sing and say amen. There's a beauty to that, to just all our voices together singing the same words. That's fellowship. It brings joy. And it goes beyond Sunday worship when we gather in groups or one-to-one and participate together in the things that entail fellowship with God. We experience fellowship with each other, and that leads to joy. It produces a sense of well-being that comes from our relationship with each other being intrinsically tied to our experience of relationship with God. So we have fellowship with God, and that fellowship with God entails fellowship with one another, and they produce joy. John said it. John said, I'm writing to you because I want to have this with you. I want to experience this joy with you. I'm pursuing joy with you. So let's, for the final section of this sermon, pursuing complete joy. What can we do? Number three, pursuing complete joy joy. John wrote so that his joy might be completed or fulfilled or filled up to the brim in his fellowship with the people he wrote to. He said, my, my joy is not complete. It's not enough. There's something missing. It's got to be with you. So Mike Mason's quest for 90 days of joy is a good one. 
But this is not the modern quest for some feel-good spirituality. It's a quest for the experience of being one with God and one with his people. We think that having good health or enough money or a good marriage or a fulfilling career or the right friends will give us joy. But if we listen to the wise men of the past or watch the fools who have tried it all, seeking to find joy in the things of this earth, we learn that having a massive surplus of any of those things does not bring joy. You know that to be true. The Bible promises joy, but only if our joy is grounded in God and his gospel. It begins with fellowship with him, and it finds completion in fellowship with his people. So if you want joy, that's the means to pursue it. In the opening of this letter, we have a man, an apostle, making his own joy at least one of the reasons for his writing. He puts it right up front. Now, I don't want to push this point too far. There's a lot more going on in the letter. He has a lot more purposes. But he opens with his desire for joy. I fear for many of us, joy is a rare experience. And I fear that we often are deceived into thinking we're going to find joy in the things of this earth. And while joy does find its occasion in people on the earth, and even the beauty of nature can produce joy, real joy, the joy you were created for, the joy you were recreated for, the joy you were regenerated for, is always grounded in God, in a personal God who has invited our persons to himself, and not only that, but through that relationship has allowed us to know this joy together with other people. Oh, as the restrictions from this pandemic come to an end, let us, let us embrace face-to-face fellowship with one another. Let us not wait for our church to organize it. Let us pursue it with one another. So I want to encourage you to think about joy. I want you to ask yourself what you can cultivate in your daily habits that opens the door to this experience of joy. This same joy that the Apostle John sought for himself through fellowship with God and fellowship with those Christians he knew so well. Let us be a people who give themselves to the things that bring joy. This is the will of God for us. And what a privilege that this is a command he would call us to, to have joy, to rejoice in him and his people. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord, because we are prone to earning, prone to moralism, we have a hard time thinking that this might be something worth going after. I pray you change our minds. And I pray that as we pursue joy, we would find joy because we find it in 
the one who transcends this earth, Jesus Christ, and his Father. And we find it in that fellowship in participating together with one another. Make us a people who pursue and find joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.